are back in the Football Sheds, your weekly football podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And tonight's very exciting because it is the 100th shed. So this is the 100th episode, so I think that's pretty impressive. 100 hours. Centenary? Is well, it? probably a bit more than that because we usually go over an hour. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, never going to get that back. Yeah. No, we're no, never going to get that back. <laughs> it could be worse, you've got to listen to it. Yes. But I thought we should say thank you to everyone who has listened to the last 100 shows, which is a bit crazy. Um, we've had downloads from over 50 countries in that time, so there's some people in some odd places listening to us. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep sharing it with everyone because I think it's... Uh, it's very exciting that lots of people listen to it. Yeah, yeah. great. Good on you, everyone. Um, and Jeff, did you bring a uh, celebratory drink with the 100th show? Today, Matthew, I am <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking Captain Morgan's Original Spiced Rum. So you're just straight on the rum. Well, it, we bought it for the Christmas pudding, but I've not made the Christmas pudding. I'm just going to drink all the rum. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better Christmas. Yeah, it's way better. Um, Rog, what did you bring with you? Um, I went somewhere didn't have a massive amount of choice, and I've got a sample pale ale. And I thought I was getting the sample three-quarter IPA. And I'm quite disappointed because it tastes like Carlton Draft. Well, well, happy 100th show. You can celebrate with your uh, crap beer. Mm. I bought a really new, exciting (laughs) wine for the 100th show. It's an Audi $5 wine. Oh, John. I think for maybe six weeks or something, we should ban you from the Audi wine. It's the best, though. Yeah, I just I think they should start paying us because yeah. this relentless advertising <laughs> yeah. for Audi five dollar yeah. wine. We should be earning some coin. It's yes. like the Tory election campaign. You just repeat lies until enough people believe it's Audi. True. Leave Audi. means leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do always start with a question. But before we get onto the question, a little bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact us, wish us a hundredth birthday, happy birthday, or something. Um, do we get a letter from the Queen? That Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Um, tell us we're wrong about something that's fine as well um, just find us on Facebook or search football and search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe um, and leave us a review on Apple and tell everyone else to listen to us rambling on the shed this week's question is about the 100th birthday so oh, it's a 100th okay. show so I was thinking about all the players that have scored 100 goals in the Premier League and I was going to ask you to name them all but it's 28. Mm, I don't want that. So that would take forever. But I thought we'd go for the top 10. So can you name the top 10 goal scorers in the Premier League history? Okay, I'll go first. Go on then, Jess. We're going to take it in turns? Yeah, we'll take it in turns. Oh, God's sake. Shearer. <laughs> uh, that is correct. Shira's... Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is correct. He's fifth. Um... <laughs> uh, Romelu Lukaku. No. No? How many has he got? He got 50 for Everton. And it was in Chelsea and uh, West Brom. Lukaku, only a season. Aguero. It is 19th on 113. So he's got more than 100? No, we're going for top 10. Oh, I fucked this up already. I Aguero? just thought we had to name 10 that were in that list. No. Aguero, yes. Oh, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> Andy Cole. <laughs> Andy Cole's, yep. So you've got Shearer, Cole, Henri, Aguero. Harry Kane. Van Persie. Van Persie is not in the top 10. Oh, come on. Harry Kane's not in the top 10 either. Rude Van Nistelrooy? He is not in the top 10. Uh, Les Ferdinand? He is 10th. Oh, this is a crap game. Okay. <laughs> Teddy Sheringham? England's all-time record score goal scorer. Wayne Rooney? Yes. Yeah, see Rog in your face. Chelsea manager? Frank Lampard? Yes. Steven Gerrard? No. Fat Frank's in the top 10? Yeah, he's fourth. 
Fourth. Wow. He scored a lot of goals. He did score a lot of goals. Um, and now a journeyman striker and two Liverpool strikers. Robbie Fowler, Michael yep. Owen. Yep. A journeyman. He's just played for a lot of clubs in the Premier League. Played for a few clubs twice. Pete Crouch. I thought he was... Played up front with Pete Crouch a lot. Not this no. Oh, Kevin Phillips. No. Oh. Kevin Phillips? <laughs> oh, he's, journey, he's a definition of a journeyman striker. No. But, uh, um, played up front with Peter Crouch. Jermaine Defoe. Yes. Ah, of course. Yeah. Spot on. We got um, there. Got there eventually. You know, I was banging on last week about um, money. I was like, so if you don't know how yeah. much money something costs, you can appreciate its true value. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about it. I was pondering that this week. And I thought I'd take it into my life. I oh, thought, wow. Just to see whether it was real, right? So, deep... so there's 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 like a parking space near work. Does this mean you've just spent a fuckload of money this week? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've I've kept my um my experiment quite contained. Okay. There's, there's a parking space near work that costs twelve dollars a day, yeah. right? But then there's another one that costs nine dollars forty a day. Yeah. But that's a bit further away. Yeah. So what I did was I decided to ignore how much they cost and just decide which was the better parking spot. Yeah. Just so happens that the one closest to work is better because it's closer to work. Yeah. That costs more money. I'm not sure if this is an experiment. <laughs> Should we move so, on? A... So my, my point is that sometimes things that cost more money are actually better. Yeah. Nice. True. Yep. Good insight, Jeff. Yeah, we, there we we'll, go. Genius. We we'll look forward to more insight. <laughs> um, let's move on to the football. Um, let's start with the title race. Liverpool and Man City both got wins but not comfortable wins kind of last minute wins um, Liverpool scored in the 93rd 94th minute to win it from a corner from Trent Alexander-Arnold and Mane's header which was brilliant brilliant corner brilliant header Yeah, is Mane underrated like I think he performs in every big game for Liverpool if they're in a pickle he's the guy that turns up he's the guy that will keep running keep going and grab the important goals is he a bit underrated I, I, I'm not sure if he's underrated because people talk about whether he's underrated a lot and that means that people players are rated. Yeah. You know, it's a constant bugbear of mine. But I think that he personally, he is my favourite striker of a football going around. Oh, he just wins Oh, we've it. talked about this. Yeah, yeah because he always just hits it as hard as he possibly can. And, and I <laughs> but just, does he now? I wonder if maybe he's maybe taken he's, that out of his game a bit and he's almost got even better because he can caress it. I thought you were going to say maybe now. he could hit it harder and we just <laughs> no, haven't no, seen no. it. <laughs> maybe he's but, got another string to So I bow. just love the arrogance <clears throat> that comes with that. But he's not an overstated player, so he does, he's not all full of pomp. Yeah, he, He's just so confident he hits it as hard <clears throat> as he can. I remember the, when he scored that hat-trick <clears throat> for Southampton, the fastest ever yeah. Premier League hat-trick. The third goal was what said everything you need to know about Mane. The third goal, he smashed it. So like roof of the net. Like you've just scored, like this is your third goal in six minutes or something and you decide to hit it as hard as you possibly can instead of just making sure. Uh, I love that kid. And I I just think he's also really smart. Like he gets himself into positions that no one else does. Like he wouldn't, no one else in their Liverpool team would have scored that header um, on the weekend. And he comes up in little positions and make things happen when Salah might just be really quiet. Firmino might be having an off game. Mane's always the guy that seems to turn up. And he's really works really hard too. So mm. along with, you know, being super quick and all the skill that goes with that, um, he's also, you know, in terms of the press, like very important yeah. part of the, you know, the, the the press and does does his does the hard work as well. I think since they lost in the Champions League final. Yeah. Uh, 
two seasons against ago, Real Madrid. Against Real and Madrid. he was their best he player. He was their best player. And that, for me, that was the that was the announcement of him being like proper good. I think he realised right, at in that a, point in a like, final, oh, I can be the best player on the pitch this, yeah. in the Champions League He was final. the most dangerous player in that final. And I think since then, he's been Liverpool's most effective forward. Yeah. So oh, I, it's an arguable comment, that. It is, yeah, because obviously Salah's had another. That was his, and then you argue that, that was his amazing yeah. season, and then last season was great. Well, I would say, in terms of to answer your question, I would perhaps say I think Firmino is more underrated, yeah, okay. than Mane, because I think people now realise how good Mane is because he yeah. keeps scoring goals. But I do think he's been carrying them a bit this year because I don't. I I thought Salah had a great year last year when people said he was down. But I think this year he's been injured a little bit, hasn't quite been there. But I mean that. We're, we're, we're trying, we're, this was a question about Mane and we've automatically been talking about the whole front three and I think that says it all in that they have a front That's three strength, that yeah. play together so well um, you know they're better than you know the, the sum of their parts is better than they are individually yeah. but they're also amazing individually so they could each do something to win a game and I don't think there are many players in Europe let alone the Premier League that have a front three that are consistently that good yeah. If they lose one though, they're in a pickle. Do, do you know the last? Yeah, so, but Origi's improved. So yeah. Liverpool went down one 0 in this game, right? Yeah. Came back. Do you know the last time Liverpool went down and still lost the game? No. January. Wow. So they just don't give. Last up. time they, they again went, like, conceded the first goal and yeah. still went back and won. The last time they didn't come back and actually win, and that's in, they yeah. drew that one. And we talked January. about it wow. last week. You know, you said that often. Uh, you know, it's the one of the fullbacks late in the game at that stage that will be the one that is making the pass or making the run to get the goal. And this was Robertson's Robertson. header, and I then a Trent Alexander-Arnold's cross. I loved Robertson's header because his celebration afterwards was like, "I've never scored with my head before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's amazing!" And he just ran around for ages, going, "Yes, this is brilliant." But um, he wanted that so much, like no oh. one else was going to. You know, yeah. get to that. He made it his. We've been getting some messages this week uh, from a friend of the pod about the ox. Yes, saying we can't. It's getting to a point where we can't Ignore avoid you. talking about how good the ox is. Now, so, do, do you think those messages are right? He well, this morning he scored a great goal. He played Genk in the Champions League, and he scored the winner. Played a bit further forward this morning. Too. Yeah, and he played really well. He's someone who could be someone who steps into if Mane's injured or whatever. He could play in one of those front three positions. I think he's brilliant. I think if the Ox is fit and playing well, he has to start for England every time. I think he's excellent. Um, he just can't stay fit. And he can do it all. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I, and he's, it just shows he's had a bit of continuity. He's been playing a few games now and he's getting better each week. But he, he was looking brilliant last year until he got injured. Yeah. So it's always the knock was, on him. Yeah. He sort of does it for a stretch and then gets injured. But I, I look, they got him for a bargain. Yeah. Well, they paid 40 million. Yeah, well, but that won't get you. That get you a bloody Alex Iwobi these days. Get, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't get you. you know, and they, yeah, and then um, you know Milner, same. Yeah, Wijnaldum, the same. Like I yeah. think they paid unders for all those three. And how how old's the ox? 25, 26. So he's going to be around for a while. Yeah. Like I think mm. with him and Wijnaldum, they did great. Yeah. And I think um, the ox is being fed back into the team well by Klopp. Like he played in the Carabao Cup last week when it was mm. five all, and then they won on penalties, which was a ridiculous game. But he's not playing in the big league games. It'll be interesting to see if he plays... Liverpool play Man City this week, which obviously is huge. 
if he actually plays, and I don't think he will, which I think Klopp's gone, okay, I've got a player here, but if it takes him two years to get to the point where he's actually fit, and he'll never rush players through, I think he's happy to take that time because he needs it. But he can definitely do it all. That's what I like. Yeah. like he can he can beat a man like he's skillful. He's got a great shot. He can run all day. Um, he's you know he can pass the ball. You you could almost feel like you could play him in front of the back four and he'd do a job. But he can yeah. also then you know play off a striker. So I think he's and he, he I remember Arsenal. He moved around a lot, didn't he? Mm. Sort of was asked to was asked to play wide. Was asked to play central. But usually that would be because he. Especially at Arsenal, he he wasn't a first team regular, so he played where he was needed. Yeah. Not because yeah you know, he was versatile, but you argue at that age, versatility is a hindrance and and yeah. not uh not an attribute because you get put places, which is you never play your best game, you never perfect your game. However, when you get to twenty six, twenty seven, and you've been versatile your whole career, you suddenly become an asset because you can be used all over the place within the same. You can start. And you can make tactical changes within the game and you keep your place on the field. It's not like you're you're an advanced left winger and that's all you can play. Yeah. And as soon as you go to a diamond, you haven't you're got out. a spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think with Liverpool at the moment, I don't think they're playing very well. But they're getting wins. But they're getting wins. But they are really riding their luck though. Do you think, because we're talking about the fullbacks and they're really good and they're really important um, and they... Crossed, there was 40 crosses in this game wow. at the weekend and all from those two. They put in 40 crosses between the two of them. If you're playing Liverpool, don't you just have to stop them? And that's what Man United did against them is just go, just stop the wing-backs. Stop the wing-backs. But we did talk about that and I think the big thing about United as well though was that Salah didn't play. So I think you can yeah. stop the full-backs but then what that then does is gives more space to... You know, badly playing wide, yeah. and so it's yes, I I agree, and it did work for United, but I don't think it's as simple as saying do that every week and Liverpool will come unstuck. Oh, because they'll play, they'll just start playing through the centre, and they've got yeah. they've got players to do it. I just think that their league position is slightly artificial. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that because they I only two because points, I hate but... Liverpool. I'm not saying it because of that. It's not even clouding my judgment at all. Um, <laughs> however. They have scored last-minute goals. They've won games that they shouldn't have won. They, they, you know, against Aston Villa. Aston Villa were arguably in the second half should have been two 0 up. They were the better side. Mm. Liverpool, you, you can, oh, you can, <laughs> you can say it's a, they are champions or whatever. Yeah. But actually, that can't last forever. You can't ride your luck all season. But we used to say that about United. Yeah, it's true. I think they've got that invincibility about them, that aura about them that we're just going to win and. It used to be in the 90s against Man United, oh, they're 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go. Man United are probably going to win. And yeah. it's just that, as a fan of Man United, you just knew something was going to happen. And once you've got that kind of momentum and belief, you just think something's going to happen here. And Liverpool won against Aston Villa with two headers. Like, when do Liverpool really ever score headers? It's only usually Van Dijk from a corner or something. They got a header from Robertson, a header from Mane, that you just wouldn't expect to happen but they found a way to win. Well, Lallana came out after the game actually and said exactly that. He just said the players at the moment feel, and it was, was Lallana saying it's this grain of salt, <laughs> but he was like, the, the players feel a bit invincible or like they, they yeah. sort of feel that there's a there's a feeling around the team that they know they'll get a goal. So yeah. they don't, And I think that does, it's kind of one of those things where if you get in that, like, thought space as a player it's great because it generally makes you do 
something yeah. that then might get you a goal. And it, but it's obviously you don't can't get there without having that sustained success. Mm. So it's kind of it, uh, yeah. So you, moving on to next week, so it's Liverpool against Man City at home for Liverpool. So it's at Anfield. <laughs> um, who wins? Man City. Really? I I think that Man City will win the league. I think okay. Man City will beat Liverpool next weekend. Wow, said by a true Evertonian. No, okay, and I'm going to get any judgment um, for this, but but I think Man City have been playing better than results, and Liverpool have been playing worse than their results. Yeah, I, I think that Man City are a better side. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like it, it sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm being an Evertonian here, but I'm going to like try and take yeah. take that hat off, which is very hard to do because <laughs> I'm depressed about football at the moment. But I'm sure we'll get onto that. <laughs> I just think that Man City are a more pure footballing side. They will win the league. Are the they going to beat so early, even if they don't play a centre back? Because if you look at Man City's team, they've they're playing Fernandinho at centre back at the moment, and their fullbacks aren't great at the moment. Gundogan's like, playing defensive midfield. Yeah, He's not and playing. like Walker scored at the weekend, the winner for them, and they played Angelino, who I'd never heard of until last weekend. That they paid fifty million for from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is what they do? Um, but they've not got fullbacks that are firing brilliantly at the moment. And if you've got Mane and Salah going the opposite direction, and then obviously Alexander Arnold and um, Robertson on the wings, if you put in a lot of crosses against that defensive formation, you you're going to get chances as Liverpool. I just think that Man City. You, we talk about okay, Liverpool's winning mentality and what, what, the way they feel invincible and Anfield magic and all all of this yeah. stuff. Man City have won the league two years in a row. Those players know exactly how to grind out results when they need to grind out results. They'll be looking at that, going, "Okay, we're six points behind. Okay, so we're going to win on the weekend. We'll be three points behind. That's that will yeah. be the only thing that they'll think. They won't think, oh, I'm, uh, if, if we lose, we'll be nine points. It won't be anything like that. Yeah. Klopp knows. Sorry, um, Guardiola yeah. knows how to manage this situation. He's been doing it, and for all anyone can say about Klopp, last year they were what eight points ahead, nine points ahead after Christmas, and and they yeah. choked. Yeah. So this situation, yes, they'll they'll learn from that, and they'll draw from that, and they'll draw from the Champions League final, and all of this nonsense. Klopp knows how to manage a team that wins the league and I think this is the game that he's been looking at for the Guardiola. last three weeks sorry Guardiola <laughs> and um, so it's the rum uh, and I just I just I'm convinced that there's this is going to be a great game of football I'm convinced it's going to be a Man City win and I would go so far as saying I'm convinced Man City are going to win the league John what do you think about the game I don't think it's going to be a good game of football I think it's going to be a uh, Mike Lawrence and uh, One score all. draw yeah I think it's I actually think it's going to be a bit of a stinker of a game because it's Early enough in the season, neither will want to lose. Don't want to lose. Yeah. If you lose, if Man City lose, nine points behind and looks bad. Liverpool lose. Oh, you've lost your undefeated record and it's only three points in it now. Draw. Everyone goes. Oh, I'll just carry on as normal. This is what we expected. I hate to say it, but I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be one all, and I think it's going to be crap to watch. Which is why I'm quite glad that sometimes when you live in Australia and try and watch football at weird times, it's three thirty in the morning on Monday. I'll watch it first thing on the morning Monday. I'm <laughs> delayed. You're not going to stay up. I'm not going to stay up and watch it. No. Um, talking of Man City, um, they beat. Um, who did they beat at the weekend? Southampton two one. Southampton, having come back from losing nine nil uh, to Leicester and then losing three nil to Man City in the Carabao Cup, they were actually really good. They got I, a goal. I, they yeah, defended got really well. Credit Southampton, and we didn't probably didn't give enough credit to Villa I think Villa and Southampton's defensive performances against both these teams mm. were both brilliant 
And yeah. I think probably Southampton deserve more credit because of what's been happening in the last... Like, they, they could have easily lost five or six against City in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Like, I know the score the scoreline didn't reflect the amount of chances that City had. Yeah. Um, but I thought they they just didn't want to get beat by heaps of goals this game. Yeah. And so they yeah, just, just like, they're just like, we're going to defend and we'll defend well. And I, and I thought they did. And, it, you know, City took a long time to be able to break them down. But then might... And also winning... Uh, losing 9-0 may reset them and 9-0. Go... <laughs> <laughs> might galvanise them a bit. Yeah, yeah. but it yeah. might make them go... Okay, that's we've hit the bottom here, haven't we? We've bottomed out. We're really crap. Let's go back to basics on what we need to do as de- a defensive unit. No, I'm 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 going to just disagree again. I'm sorry. It's the rum. Uh, is it rum? What is it? Yeah, it's yeah. rum. Yeah, it's rum. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think we can credit a losing team like that. I think that um, they lost. It's okay. They lost two one. And we're saying great performance. Like, come on. They lost 2 1. They lost 9 0 three weeks ago. They lost 4 0 or whatever it was in the Carabao Cup. That's and, improvement, though. And Jeff. now they're losing 2 1. We can't go, oh, good on Southampton for losing 2 1. Like, that, that, have we reset the what? barometer so they're no, starting no, on negative? No, no, no. But yeah. you can say that a team's improved. And I think from 9 0 to losing 2 1 against Man City is significant. The only way was to improve 9 0. It would have been a record if they didn't improve. But it would have given them a lot of confidence and next week they play Everton at home and now they've gone from 9-0 3-0 2-1 so they're going to be Everton we've had this a few times this season where where team losing teams have got a lot applauded it's not because they're close games because they're better than the the common consensus was that that team was going to perform even though they lost and I really think as you're a player you lose you're a loser like, like no I don't I disagree I don't think it's as straightforward as that and I'm not saying that this was a complete performance by Southampton what I'm saying is <laughs> I think that they defended very well I think it was a good defensive performance against uh, you know we know a free scoring Man City game I mean they've already scored 50 odd goals this year haven't they so yeah. I think I I think that it, credit where credit's due and I think Southampton did defend well in this game and you, you, Man City did struggle like it took a, a bit of a you know particularly the um, Walker goal and even mm. the it, the cross it was still a cutback but it was a bit yeah. of a like fluky sort of cutback for Guerrero's talking of one. cutbacks uh, Barry Glendening on the Guardian podcast rival podcast um, is saying that uh Man City only score one goal, don't they? It's just cutbacks. It's getting a bit boring. Oh, he forgot about goal. the spadge in the top corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, he did. Come on, Barry. Yeah. Two goals, That's not you, one. You get paid for that, Barry. <laughs> <man. laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to mention about Southampton before we move on. Um, they have lost from winning positions. They've lost 34 points from winning positions since the start of last season, which is the most by far. The next is like 20 points. That's a lot. Since the start of last season. So they go ahead and then they crumble, which it's a bad sign of your kind of mentality if that's... Okay, then with that statistic in the air, how can you say this is an improvement where they went ahead and then they crumbled? Because it's against Man Because it's not 9-0. And you have to take into account the opposition. Let's move on to the rest of the top four, um, which is... Currently occupied by Leicester and Chelsea. Can I make another sweeping comment on these on these two sides? Of course. I think that Jorginho will be in the Premier League team of the season. Do, do you know, Jorginho has passed the ball into the final third more than any other player in the Premier League this season. Like, that, last I season, didn't know that. That's incredible, yeah. Last season, he was sideways master. The next Michael Carrick. 
and now he's suddenly the most... Well, you know that, that his assist for the Abraham goal? Oh. You know, what well, he didn't mean it, though. He was trying to pass it backwards and then just, just like, skimmed off his foot and became a golden ball. <laughs> now, if you watch the replay, he looks at Tammy Abraham two or three times before he passes Oh, I know he means it. It's, it's beautiful. So, so good. I was on board with you this week after this game, and there's been a few articles giving Jorginho and... Um, uh, Co- Kovacevic or no, Kovacic yeah. um, I get confused between that old um, Yugoslav striker Kovacevic Kovacevic Yugoslavia yeah anyway back in the day um, <laughs> and uh, reminisce about Soviet Jorginho has <laughs> been getting credit but a lot of the credit has been going to Lampard saying oh look at his improvement this year you know whereas yeah. under Sarri it was all sideways and I'm like hold on last year was his first season in the Premier League we've seen it time and again that players that come in particularly from a league like Italy which is very very different to how the Premier League's played take a while to adjust and you would argue that Jorginho got better towards the end of last year so I think yep. this is just continual progression and maybe we judged him a bit quick under Sarri he's got up to and pace with the Premier League yeah, and learned, he's adapting okay, his game how, yeah. and I just think now you're seeing the, the fruits of that and he is he's being really, involved really in goals he's a good passer of the ball yeah. he's, a, he's an excellent player yeah. and uh, the turnaround from last season's tragedy to this season's like masterclass and he was the, stark and he was the Chelsea fans like Boo boy, wasn't he? Is now they're right? singing his name. Yeah, yeah, where every time he got subbed off, everyone was just like, boo. So my call is that he will be in the Premier League team of the season next to De Bruyne. I, I, I think he is that good and he's playing that well and finally we're seeing it. Tealman's might be not far off as well, the way he's going. While we're on Chelsea though, I feel like we have to mention their four-all draw with Ajax this morning in the Champions League. Oh, yes. A utterly ridiculous game. I didn't get to see it live because it works, so that's annoying. So I watched the highlights it's just stupid. Like, they go 4 1 down, they get back to 4 all, then they go 5 4 up, but VAR rules it out for a handball against Tammy Abraham where the ball's smacked at him and it just bounces off his arm and then. Off his hand. Yeah. yeah. And then it, someone else kicks and goes. Sounds in. like a handball to me. Well, apparently it's the new rule, isn't it? <laughs> if it hits your hand in any scenario. But it's well, just, but then. This is one of this is one of the whole issues we're having about VAR is no consistency. Three mm. minutes it took them at the weekend with Deli Ali. Yeah. It hit Deli Ali's hand. Yeah. But again, it's this whole thing of did it lead to a goal or not? And I suppose they're saying with the Abraham one that Because it's a goal. Because it's because the touch from his hand immediately um goes backwards and then it's a goal scoring chance, it's a goal. That's why it's been disallowed. Now it, for me, I just get frustrated with it because, again, it's one of those ones. If his hand's not there, it's going to come off his leg at a very similar angle. Like his yeah. hand has not it's changed not the trajectory of the field of play. Not field of play. So I just think it's one. But again, it's not VAR. Like, there's been a lot of stuff yeah. this week that's annoyed me with mis- people mistakenly saying it's VAR, it's VAR, it's VAR. It's not. The rules. It's again, it's how we're interpreting yeah. the rules. And so I think that was, a, you know, and it was sad because you saw like oh, where the whole, you know, the, the club captain scored the goal, like, you know, rips yeah. off the captain's armband, goes, you know, running over into the corner, all the players embrace yeah. him and you're like, that's amazing. And then, uh-uh. And then it's all over. And that's uh, that, for me, is the sad bit of it is it kills that moment of pure joy. And I hate Chelsea. But that was for pure joy for Chelsea fans at that moment. And then you just go... Oh, Do you still hate Chelsea? No, you, brought, you brought I'm, it up with how... Um, I'm definitely... <laughs> by, 
I hate Chelsea as a concept. Yeah. <laughs> John, but just, I'm finding it hard. It's kind of like it. a guilty pleasure. Kill like, their joy, John. Just kill it. No, embrace I, it. Like, let, let them think around. they've achieved something and then rip it away from them unfairly. <laughs> but how good are Ajax? So great. Like, I like, Ajax are... They, they, all they do is attack. Yeah. Like, Ajax... Like they don't know how to defend, so they just attack. And it's My so good. favorite goal from this morning, though, is um, Ajax's third. I think Kepper's uh, face. Yeah, so he, the guy crosses it in from a free kick, and it's it's kind of not sure if it's cross or a shot, but it comes off the post, the inside of the top corner of the post. Kepper's diving back to get it, misses it, but the ball comes back and just smacks him straight in the face and goes in the goal. Is Kepper a bit crap? Yes. Yeah, I think he. But I mean, I kind of feel like with you know we had to give De Gea time, and then he became a very good keeper. Is yeah. Kepper like that? But every for me on that one, he is the kind of keeper that can probably play in Spain. There's mm. not a huge amount of crosses in Spain. All no. he, he's a he's a I stay on my line keeper. Yeah, he doesn't come for anything, and that was a prime example where if he comes for that ball earlier, there's no danger. But he lets it go all the way across him, and then all of a sudden, oh dear, it's going to mm. go in the far corner. Panic, got to get to it. And he's a very good. good shot stopper, but yeah, I think he's got to work out when to come and when to go, and he hasn't got that yet. But what he's do, very young. What do you think of the turning point in this game? That's the other thing I want to ask you, because I thought it was very good refereeing, but what do you think? So you're, when you're talking about turning point, you're saying that when there's two red the cards two fouls in 30 seconds, basically. Um, I thought it was very good refereeing, because he comes back to give a yellow card for Daly Blind, who's fouled Tammy Abraham, I think, mm-hmm. um, who was running through. But he's like, no, let play carry on. It's gone through. The ball's hit the guy's hand, so it's a penalty. He gets a yellow card because his hand was away from his body. Um, yeah, great. I, I it was with this one. I, yeah, I really like because you don't a lot. I think referees are sort of playing advantage a bit less now, mm. and so I really like that he that he did. But I also think this is one. There's been a bit of you know the Ajax management team after the game has sort of said you know it shouldn't have been a handball and what can he do but I actually think this is one of those slightly sneaky ones where he's moved his arm out and sort of and he's done, it, it, done it by the side yeah. it just looks like a slightly sneaky attempt mm. to make yourself bigger so I, I think it was a pen uh, before we go we were talking about top four my favourite goal this weekend was scored by Leicester yeah, oh, you, you, Jamie James Vardy's. Oh, the, yes, yeah. the Leicester's last goal where the little one-two with, with Demar- Demar- the, Gray. Yeah, yeah, the the step over, like the what was it called? Step over. We basically, the yeah, the dummy. We let it go yeah, and then went back out to the wing, them. then threw it to Jamie Vardy. First touch, bottom corner. That is proper football. That was proper old school Dwight York and Andy. It was, yeah, yeah, like I love it. Yeah, last week I was I was like ripping old school football to shreds. Yeah. But when you see it done so succulently and like the nerves, when you watch a goal like that, like if if we say that goal is hundred percent, when it's eighty percent complete, you just get nervous. You're like, Vardy, don't fuck this, this could up go really well. because this is the most beautiful thing I've seen all weekend. And if you spewed it wide, it will be the best not scored goal of the weekend. But I don't think you had time to think about it because it was just so smooth. And it was just like, perfect. Goal. Absolutely perfect. Great communication, succulent stuff. And I think Leicester, Leicester beat Crystal Palace um, away from home, 2-0. A lot of teams struggle to do that. Like Palace yeah. are 7th or 8th or ninth in the league now. But they win games ugly they get draws they're horrible to play against Leicester went there got an efficient 2-0 win were really good um, James Madison's pass 
um, through to I can't remember who it was now, but was it the first goal? No, because the first goal was a header, but he did a pass through um, for Vardy that didn't come off, but it was brilliant. It was Ozil esque. It was just kind of right round the corner, and they look yeah. I'm... And Didi, they can play. To, they so they good. play such an attacking lineup, and the reason they can do it is Indeedy. Yeah. Can we they get are, the pass? They are the real deal. <laughs> and if if it's a draw this weekend between City and Liverpool and Leicester win, Leicester will be joint second. Wow. Yeah, and they got more points at this stage of the season than they had when they won it. And last side point on Leicester. Do you know who their assistant manager is? No. Colo Torre. What? Wow. Yeah. I, I was watching the game. Colo Torre? Yeah. As in Liverpool. How does he know Brendan? Well, because he was a centre back at Liverpool when he was there, and oh, then he, he went to too. Celtic with him. Yeah. Wasn't he homeless? Am I thinking of the right bloke? No, Colo Torre played for Liverpool for years. Was captain. Who was the who's the bloke who was homeless? The, no, the no the Arsenal guy who is now back at Arsenal. Anyway, I'll think of it. <laughs> no idea. Well, it wasn't He's got a home, didn't he? Yeah, most footballers have Colo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Colo Torre went to Celtic with Brendan yes. Rodgers and then retired there and was on his coaching staff. And I, I'm not sure if he's assistant manager or whatever, but he's a coach. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, Colo Torre's at Leicester. Yeah, great. Um, well, just on the Chelsea thing. Sorry to go back, but I just. It'd be rude to not talk about Ben Foster of Watford in that Chelsea game. So, it was, oh, yes. you know, obviously it was a solid, whatever, 2-1 win to Chelsea. But Ben Foster nearly had the best game you'll ever see by a keeper. He made more saves than any other keeper this weekend. He made eight saves, I think. And a lot of them were the like, were genuinely going to be goals if he didn't pull off an amazing save. There's a couple, I think there's one from Mason Mount where he just got a fingertip to it. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. And then he very nearly scored a header. Right, at the, right at the end of the game, and I'm oh, like, if he yes. would have scored that, that would have been like it the was a best, good header. best game. It was a great header. Yeah. Kepa's save was excellent. It's it's hard, isn't it? Because the the top performing England English goalkeepers are at the bottom of the league, but that's always the case, isn't it? Because they they face more shots and they they get the highlights yeah. reels. Would you take Foster or Kepa? Ooh. That's quite a good question. Right now, I'd probably take Foster. Foster, yeah. Foster did come out afterwards and said, if I had scored that, I'd have just retired. <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm done. Oh, it's not quite. Who's the Carlisle keeper? Um, oh, he scored in the somebody 94th glass, minute. Somebody glass, was yeah. it? Uh, it he scored in the 94th minute. To keep him up in to the keep them league. Up in the last, so the last game of the season, keep Carlisle in the Premier League, uh, in yeah. the Football League, had to score, goes up for a corner, scores the goal, they stay in the league. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, let's move on to the rest of the league. So we've got the title race in the top four, and then the rest from 5th to 17th are divided by six points, which is ridiculously close, considering that there's six points between 4th and 5th. Um, but... Top of the pile, well, top of the pile is Arsenal, but very close behind that is Sheffield United, who beat Burnley 3-0, which no That's one does. Excellent result. Yeah, yeah no one beats Burnley 3-0. Um, should Chris Wilder be named Manager of the Year now? <laughs> like, he's taken them it's from... It's a bit early, but he's... But he's taken them from League One. It's not like he's just taken them out of the Championship. He's gone from League One, Championship, consolidated them, got them promoted again, playing good football with... Basically, crap footballers. He's got them well organised. They play attractive football. They're doing brilliantly. I love it. Yeah, he's definitely. You know, he's a great coach. I still, they will have a sticky spell at some point. I I, I remember looking at this before the start of the season, and I looked at like the first ten games, and of the three promoted clubs, Sheffield United, based on last season, have had the easiest run of the three promoted teams. Yeah, okay. So far. 
which obviously means at some point they will have a more difficult run. And they play Spurs so, away next week. So, so I've just, different... yeah, I've got, I mean, I've got a feeling, it's been great, but I've got a feeling that they will end up in a relegation fight this year. But it's a bit weird about Burnley. Burnley never lose 3-0. Like, I don't know what happened there because they... That was in the first half too. Yeah, they're consistent. They're always 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10. It's boring, but they just got annihilated, so... I'd be a bit worried if I was Sean Dyche on that game, I think. Yeah. I like them. I'm going to take it all back. Sheffield United? Yeah, it was only this time last year where, that I was just like going, I, the last thing I want in my life is to have Sheffield United back in the Premier League. Yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, I was depressed by the concept, let alone like, thinking that it was a reality. Ugh, so horrible. Take it all back. They've been so inspiring to watch. Like John Lundstrom got two goals. He wasn't ex Everton hero Lundstrom. He was not a first team player last year. So he, no. they were playing him centre back last year, really. And he, um, you know, he was a backup centre back yeah. essentially. And then pre season this year, they started playing him in midfield. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he's that's attacking midfielder. He's that's his third, th- scored three goals, but he's also been solid. But he's essentially a fat bloke playing in the Premier League. Yeah. Like he's not <laughs> like you know he's never going to win awards for you know most stylish footballer. But he's fits in that Sheffield United system. And to Everton's uh, to, to Evans' point, to Jeff's point, he did come through the Everton academy, but never played for Everton. No, it was crap. Yeah. <laughs> we loaned him out to everyone. You could probably do with him now. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Everton. So Everton drew with Spurs 1-0. Oh. Fundamentally, an awful game of football. Hold on. I've got some intros to this game again. Same as last week. This is going to continue. These are good ones. Oh, we're um, hanging out. We're, we're excited, Rog. What yeah. is this? No, no. It's uh, oh, this Here is we go. Game. So first comment, Pat Nevin. That was one of the poorest 45 minutes football I have ever seen. Nice. <laughs> Uh, half time Everton nil Spurs nil if this was on a Saturday it would be the last on match of the day unless things drastically improve England boss Gareth Southgate has decided to take in this game and unsurprisingly he's looking a little unimpressed in his seat he's missing country file for this (laughs) (laughs) it was grim um, that's a big indictment on Spurs who are 11th Everton who are 17th at the start of the season I would never have said that I didn't think Spurs would be 11th and Everton 17th. <coughs> winning the league. <laughs> yes, I did have Spurs winning the league. Um, it's a real problem if they're both playing one crack football and they're in mid-table mediocrity. It's... Everton are in real trouble. So, do you remember a few weeks ago I said that you know they're not going to get those games back? And I, I, I didn't mean that you know there are only 38 games in the season and they're not going to be able to play them again. I mean that the teams that Everton have lost to or dropped points to consistently are teams that they would look forward to those fixtures because of points to pick up pick up results. The the fixture list that Everton have in um in December is is something that would just make you absolutely shudder. I think after. You play Southampton away this week and then Norwich, I think. Yes, Southampton and then Norwich and then it's um oh I think I think it's um Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, Leicester, Arsenal. Yeah. I can't see bottom three at Christmas. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely <laughs> bottom three at Christmas. Or Marco Silva plays better against good teams. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he does, yeah. but I don't think but there was there was improvement. The thing I find a bit odd as well is I watched the game, uh, West Ham game. It you was thought, excellent. You yeah. thought you were going to lose, and there was definite improvement. But then already that's 
feels like it's stopped yeah. a bit. It yeah. has stopped. The the only I mean I the goal. Yes, it's a horrible game of football, but Cenk Dawson's goal was good. Well, on Tosson, I wanted yeah. to ask you this. Why do they just play? Like, he's, he's a £30 million striker, yeah. which, like, as we know, value on what that £30 million means or whatever. But he's an out-and-out striker. He's a proven goal scorer. He starts for Turkey every time Turkey plays. And scores, scores a goal. And scores yeah. every time for Turkey. Um, he seems... To have all the things you need to be a good striker in the Premier League. Good attitude. Why not just let him play for eight games and see what happens? Well, here's the thing. So, so, Rod, you're right. He's got an excellent attitude. He's always doing the charity work for the club. He's always, you know, he's there wearing his tracksuit, knowing he's not going to come on, yeah. running on and hugging the player that scores. He is like, I'd give him, you know, the McTominay M- yeah. Award of yeah. Clubman of the Year because yeah. he's, he's always there, which, which is brilliant. He is a more direct striker than we have in the squad. He's the most, as you say, out-and-out striker, the most traditional striker. The problem is Marco Silva will not drop Richarlison because Richarlison is effective. But when you put Richarlison out on the right, he's less effective. So unless you have a player who who will be the backboard in yeah. front, which is Calvert-Lewin. Cenk Dawson is not a backboard. He needs service, yeah. which means that he's not going to lay it back to players like Richarlison or to Sigerson or yeah. you know to the effective second line that's coming in. He won't lay it back to him. He doesn't want to. He's selfish. He wants to go for goal. And that doesn't work with the main way Marcus Silva plays football. Marcus Silva didn't sign him. Sam Allardyce did. Yeah. And he is the perfect Sam Allardyce striker because he is the focal point. He's the end of the end of the play. I, I agree. I think he has attributes that no one else has in that Everton squad, but he's not going to get a game under Marco Silva. He'll get a sub-appearance, he'll score. Yeah. That's, like, the goal that he scored is good, not because of the finish. I think the... It's just a striker's finish. Cross, it's, it's, yeah. The cross is excellent. The cross is a first-time side-foot yeah. volley yeah. from a deep cross-field pass. I mean, it, if Yerry Mina didn't fall over when he kicked it, I would have said he meant it. Yeah. But... It, it was a terrible game of football. Um, I think Everton are terrible in a terrible spot. It kills me because it's the hope that gets you. I talk about I, it all the I, time. I think that you have to give Everton some credit for the way they came back after the incident with um, Gomez and Son. So yeah. I think that would have shaken up the players a bit. So I do give Everton some credit for that. But I, I'm actually I'm going to go out on. Well, it's not really going out on a limb, but I, I think that both managers are gone. Yeah, okay. like Jeff said it about Silver last week. I he's just struggling to turn it around, mm. and I I don't see he's now he just sort of tried changing the team a bit, and it hasn't really worked. But I think I actually think Spurs are in just as bad a spot. You you talked about it last week. Ericsson continues to play. He's clearly doesn't clearly doesn't care. He's not there. He's already thinking about his next move. Yeah. Um, I think the only positive for them this game was um, Dele Ali does look like he's. He's you know, he's, he's playing a bit, but I just think I just I cannot understand about Spurs, and it makes me. This is why I think Poch is gone. The press yeah. and the, those things we I talked about it earlier this year. Those sort of non-negotiables doesn't matter if you're playing badly. You know, you can get that right if your effort you is, run is, and run is and there, run. and they're five percent off on that. And I'm like, because when when Spurs were good. Their, their press was up there with Liverpool's. It was, you know, it was a very, very efficient, yeah, was, high press. Yeah. And it was intentional and it was, too. And it was, it was really intense. And yeah. then that's not there. That energy is not there. And to me, that comes from Pochettino. Yeah. And I, if he hasn't got that, 
I, 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 but I don't think Spurs will fire him because Levy won't pay out his four years of his contract or whatever. So I, th- I can see them having a bit of a season and getting to sixth or whatever and going, yeah, oh, we should just park company. Spurs can't finish sixth though. They're now no. they're they're spending and you know their infrastructure that they've got after the you know the stadium, stadium stuff they have to get in the Champions League. I, I think both clubs are this could be an obvious thing to say massively underachieving. And I think they are both performing less than the sum of their parts. Let's move on to two other clubs that are massively underachieving. Um, Arsenal and Man United. Would you, whoa, 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 whoa! Would you say Arsenal are underachieving? They're sitting fifth. Well, that's kind of my point. Um, and we spoke about this last week at length that um, I and a lot of Arsenal fans are listening to the shed don't really think that Arsenal are massively underachieving but are not really on board with Emery. I will defend Emery longer than I should because I think he's very good at what he does. Maybe he has a bit of a communication issue. Um, but Ars- the atmosphere at Arsenal is toxic. Um and like we said last week, maybe it's the fans' fault. They played Ozil this week, and I think that was good for a bit of a change and a bit of refresh. But they're still a bit crap. But I don't. They played Ozil at the tip of a diamond in a narrow formation. Yes. So you're squeezing up the play. You're making it really difficult for him to do to, to play. Well, I'm like, if you're going to play Ozil, you need to build your team around. Just him. make him number ten yeah. and make everyone else work hard. Otherwise, he's a luxury, and you're negating the th- reasons why you're putting in the team. And so I saw that, and I was like, well, you know, you're just you're sort of doing it because you think you should, rather than because you believe in it is going to make your team better. And I think that would be a worry for Arsenal fans. And we discussed it. You can't play Ozil with two strikers. No, you just you just you can't. can't. He he doesn't do enough of a job to to. You can't have three expendable players when you're defending. Yeah. You just you just it's not right. And one thing Arsenal needs to stop doing is playing Callum Chambers. Like Callum Chambers, one is crap. Yeah, <laughs> just fundamentally, like he was crap at Fulham last year when he was on loan. But it gives you nothing going forward. Nothing going forward. Nothing really defensively. <laughs> so what does he do? Yeah, like, no, I agree. And, and they've got Bellerin on the bench. Bellerin on the bench. And I know he's been injured for a long time, but just play the guy that's really good. When he was he was one of the best attacking fullbacks yeah. in the league. And I, I think they need that width from... Yeah. If you've got Bellerin and Tierney. And now I think this is Arsenal's mistake. I don't think they're... I think the other one is um, uh, Torreira. Torreira. Torreira yeah, looked really... Looked, mm. Good when he came on the scene and then stopped being played. And when he has played, they played him further forwards. Whereas I think he's more of a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And I think if they get that right, they will get more solidity and they can then play more attacking fullbacks, which I think will make them play better. Now, I'm going to contradict myself on Arsenal as well because I stuck up for them a bit last week. We all did. Yeah. But the, I think some of the issues with Arsenal, they've only won two of their last nine league games and they've also gone out of the Carabao Cup. So although they were pretty unlucky to the Carabao Cup, they, they capitulated, but they were unlucky. Yes, but they're still out. And so although they're sitting okay in the league, perhaps it's more about what's happening around them rather than them playing well. Um, against Wolves, they conceded at the weekend. Wolves dominated this game. Yeah. Arsenal conceded 25 shots, 25 efforts on goal, and they only had 10 themselves. Against Watford, who are bottom of the league the week before... They conceded 31 shots on goal. 
Yeah, well. So I just they're not the midfield is not providing protection to the back four, so they're giving up chances. And then I also think the way they're setting up isn't getting the best out of their attacking players. In my head, you've got Torreira, Guendouzi, two really good defensive midfielders. Play them in the middle of the park. Play Ozil in front as a number ten. Play Abemiang at front, one of the best strikers in the league. And then you've got Pepe, a seventy-five million pound winger. And then one of the other brilliant kids you've got as the other winger, and then a flat back four, and then get you like you've got two good wingers, and then you've got your whip from your four. Isn't it not that simple? I yeah, don't, I think so. I don't get it. <laughs> I do, I, and I don't think Emery does. I, I mean, that if you're yeah. going to criticise him, I mean, you're saying he'd come good. Uh, what, his good teams had a very defined way of playing. Yeah. I don't know if he knows what that is at Arsenal yet, and maybe that's part of the transition, um, you know, which we say takes a while um, and so perhaps you have to back him in but I don't know if he could tell you what his best team and best formation is at Arsenal I've got to say that there isn't a team that I would hate more to be a, a player in bad format yeah okay because so and, and we're part of this you know I think we've got to hold a mirror up and go you know the, the way we spoke about Mustafi last year mm. he was the worst player we'd ever seen in our lives yeah. you know yeah. now there's a lot of logic to that. Scored an own goal against Liverpool. <laughs> of course, yeah. Of course, of course he did. <laughs> um, but the the way that Arsenal fans turn on players it's bad. Is, is really disgusting. And, yeah. and I don't mean to to offend Arsenal fans who are listening, but but the the way that single players are are picked out and really are the focal point for everything that's wrong with that team. And you, you saw it last week, obviously. We spoke about it last week when um, Xhaka. when Xhaka went off, and, and that's been discussed to death. Yeah. What do you think but about that, the update there, though? That he's been stripped from his captaincy? Yeah. Yeah, I think something had to happen. Like The, the club had to make a stand, and then also he came out and apologised, <coughs> and he's been given help. So I actually think that the club have managed it very maturely. I disagree. But I, I think, think they've gone the wrong way. I think you back your player in there. I think... the. I, if I, for me, I would be backing Xhaka and saying he's our captain and he's passionate. And if you've got an issue with it, you let us know as a as a club, and we will do our best to get it right. But it's not down to an individual. Whereas, does not stripping the captaincy reinforce that it's him that's made the mistake? And no. almost also says, oh yeah, we'll just do what the fans say. No, I, I I disagree slightly. I understand your point. I do think it's valid, but I think that the fact that after Xhaka came out and said I'm having uh, emotional problems here I've been taking abuse I've got Mm. to the end of my tether and the club came out and said we're going to offer him counselling and support I don't think that the right thing to do would be to maintain that level of responsibility that he has in public whilst he is so in the spotlight for having issues I think actually removing him from that level of pressure is the right thing to do as a human not as a football club yeah I mean it depends on the individual so you'd hope so I'd give him a week off going okay chill out mate go on holiday sit on the beach like take a load off don't turn your Instagram on and just you know take it easy we'll make someone else captain next week I think he might be gone though I don't know if that'll I've just got he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that that I mean, I don't know him, and you'd hope that I'm wrong and Arsenal right because obviously he's their player. But he strikes me as a kind of player that is is passionate, heart on the sleeve. He's captain of Switzerland w- as well. Yeah, he wants to be backed in by his club. Yeah. Now I've got a suspicion that taking the captaincy away from him will not help and will hurt him. Maybe you're and, right, and yeah. he might not play for Arsenal again. Do you know? There's one thing that really bothers me about this, which is kind of the Xhaka captaincy thing, um, but it's more around the rhetoric around 
oh, Emery didn't pick the captain. He did a group kind of decision and everyone put a like blind vote in who do you want to be captain and stuff. Everybody is coming out going, oh, that's a lack of leadership. That's a lack of leadership from Emery. You should just say it. It's not a lack of leadership. It's giving responsibility to the players. And I think that's a fine way to do it. Also, it's a very, very British thing to get all funny about who the captain is. Genuinely, if you go to watch Syria or La Liga, they don't give a shit who the captain no, is. It doesn't no, really matter. No it's just the bloke who's got the armband on. Oh, it's next to my foot. I'll put it on. Like, who cares? It's just, yeah. you're all leaders. Like, everyone's a leader. Yeah. Just turn up, play your game, and do your thing. And I think it's a real arrogant British thing. Ca- captain fantastic. Or you've got to be the ca- always the captain, yeah. or you've got to be perfect. Like, yeah. bollocks. Yeah. Complete, completely agree with you. Um, but, go on. I was just going to say, we're going to move on to Man United. So, um, Man United lost to Bournemouth, and nobody noticed and no one cared. Did you watch the first half of this? No, because we're crap. I watched it, and it was quite late at night, but it was the first yeah. game on, so I watched it, mainly because I was still drowning my sorrows after the rugby. Yeah. Um, but I, it was, you know, it was on, so I was like, oh, I sort of grudgingly watched it, and at half time, I'm like, well, I'm not getting that back, am I? I was glad because Bournemouth scored a good goal just before half time. Great goal. Yeah. Uh, that Josh King finish. Was yeah, it was a really good finish, and that sort of made it worthwhile. Explain that, Josh. King. I. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of glimmer of hope it, it kind of reinforced to me everything we've been saying about United though and just that you're not you're not that good <laughs> and I just <laughs> like true. but again do you know the thing that I would do if I was Solskjaer um, and you've been talking about it so that's now Man United have gone 11 consecutive away games where they've conceded a goal which is a club record in the Premier League era yeah. Um they playing they play Tomine and Fred in midfield, um, and then a back four. Yeah, I think with that midfield, they cannot play a back four. Yeah, I think that you You've have to. to play you back you three. looked much better with. A, I think you're you're spot on in that Lindelof and Maguire both play better in a back three, and I think they pass the ball well enough. I don't think Pereira adds anything to your team no. as a number ten. I think he's average, he's crash, yeah. and he did nothing in this game. So I actually think that what you and and you've got a front three that look really dangerous. So I'm like, if we've got a front three that looks really dangerous, and we're trying to play on Do the counter attack anyway, but can't really defend. Good. But yeah, just let's go. We're not going to see goals first. And I know it's like it's a bit. It's not United, and maybe it's a bit boring. But I feel like that's where you're at. And let's go start from there. And then I'll tell you what, like the first 10, 15 minutes. You should, probably should have scored. Yeah. Um, and Rashford and Martial had some great interplay again and, and, and looked good. And, you know, Dan James was quick and, yeah. um, you know, caught getting in behind a couple of times. So, you know, I think there's enough there if you make yourself solid. But the issue was every time Bournemouth came forward, it just looked like you looked shaky. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. And we've not won back to back games in the league since Solskjaer was made full time manager. Like, we can't win two games in a row. Do you know, here's, here's a stat that really like sums it up. Do you know, Ole Solskjaer has lost more games as a Man United manager than Klopp has lost as Liverpool manager? Yeah, that's damning, damning, isn't it? In less than a third. Of the matches. That's terrible. 
Um, what I'm really glad about is that we're running out of time so we can move off home <laughs> <laughs> But I think the interesting point before, before we get no, on go in, John, on. is that no one really cared. No, I think that is the fascinating thing. That Man United lost to Bournemouth and everyone went, oh yeah, that's kind Fair of Fair enough, Man United lose. It's yeah. not a surprise. In a fairly slow week Premier League news-wise, yeah. it was still not a fair way down the Not a headline, yeah. not dramatic. Everyone just went... Well, kind Fair of enough. Yeah. yeah, and Which that's pretty damning. That's the thing that's yeah, a real problem. That's very interesting. Um, quickly, before we move on, I want to talk about West Ham very quickly because they're falling apart. Yeah, um, they are. And I have Sebastian Haller as my flop of the season in the predictions, and he has gone quiet. They're not playing to his strengths. Well, no, okay. But uh, still, West Ham are shit. I, well, no, West Ham are being West Ham. They'll flip and flop about and they'll be good for a bit and then they'll be crap and they'll finish about 10th. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. But they got they lost to Newcastle and Newcastle smashed them. And maybe Steve Bruce is doing something good. No. He's <laughs> <laughs> had like a lucky couple of weeks. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, look, John, Newcastle won 3-2 away from home. And they were 3-0 up. Like, they only, lost, it only went to 3-2 because... Generally, every Newcastle player went. Ooh, what the fuck do three, we do now? Three nil yeah. up. We never do this. What do we do? And they yeah. did look. A couple of their goals were quite good. Mm. Like they looked all right. Sh- Shelby, Shelby just has been cryogenically unfrozen, defrosted, <laughs> yeah. and and just popped back on a football field. You know, John Joe Shelby scored two goals this season, which is his best return since he played for Swansea. No, yeah. really? Yeah. How crap is that? Yeah, you don't. When you see him, you're like, oh, you he, know, he's, he's, he's still here. Yeah, well, yeah, this yeah. is his first ever goal from a direct free kick. Oh, he's taken so Premier many League record. Kicks. I think it's like 37 or something, and this was oh. his first ever goal. I wonder whether there's ever been a game week where Shelby and Snodgrass both scored. Oh. Well, Snodgrass' oh. goal was quite good. But, but here's yeah. the thing: like both of them have been around forever, and they are really mainstay yeah. Premier League players, yeah. but. They they just disappear for six months. They they just go and you forget they exist. And then every now and then they score a wonder goal. I wonder whether they've ever scored on the same week. Write it in on a postcard. Maybe they're the same player. <laughs> no, one's got hair. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and last thing on the Premier League, Brighton are up to eighth, which we've talked about. Harry Potter, the manager, um, being amazing, and now he's up to eighth. So deserved win. Good on him. Um, let's move on to the championship. That was it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I get annoyed. I get annoyed with that when I listen to a podcast and, and a team gets, yeah, they're really good. They won. They're good. We give a lot of Brighton a lot of yeah, time. Do you think we give enough we we enough time? last couple of weeks? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We give them a lot of time. Okay. As long, just, as long as you're happy with that, because I don't want really, to really be part of the problem here. You're always part of the problem, Jim. Yeah, I'm often <laughs> part of the problem. <laughs> no, I'm happy. We, you yeah. think we gave them enough coverage? Yeah. There? Who scored for Brighton? Trossard, your surprise. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) You don't care about Brighton at all. You just care about yourself. I even put Trossard on the uh, running order and I just wanted to breeze over. And Duffy, ex-Everton wonder kid. Well, ex-Everton. There's all these ex-Everton players doing much better for other clubs. I wonder what that says about Everton. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, uh, Kurt Zuma did an amazing step over this morning oh, yeah. I just thought of you because I'm like obviously he was at Everton last year and I would just you would have seen that and you'd be cursing that he wasn't he, he ran from his own 18 yard box beat about four or five players step over on the edge of the box and then went into row Z <laughs> with the shot <laughs> it was so good <laughs> nosebleed um, I had a quick championship update moving down to the championship I spoke a few weeks ago about Danny Cowley, who's taking over at Huddersfield, who came from Lincoln, 
and talks about how well they've done at Lincoln, him and his brother, Nicky Cowley. And they take over at Huddersfield, who were one off the bottom of the league because Stoke were bottom. Um, and they did a like, first couple of games getting it sorted. Seven games unbeaten now. Um, wow. Their last game they lost was to West Brom, who were top of the league. They're still only 16th, so or 18th, sorry. So it's still a long way to go. But they're undefeated in seven. And they're doing something good. So maybe there's something about these Cowley brothers who are basically PE teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, does anyone have any side stories? Uh, yeah. Go on, Rog. Um, did anyone see the footage from the Champions League this morning with the Monaco defender? No. Aguilar? No. Um, I don't know what happened, but I'm guessing he got sent off or something, and he was really angry, and he did what we've all been wanting to do for the last few weeks. He kicked the VAR monitor. And, yes. and, de- and destroyed it. He like gave it, kicked it and it fell apart. And I was like, yes, take that, VAR. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, love that. Um, did you see ex-Everton goalkeeper Robbles <laughs> no. this weekend? Another, another ex-Everton legend, come on. So he plays for Real Betis in La Liga now. Yeah. And they played against Real Madrid this week. And I can't even remember the result. I think they drew 0-0. Um, but Robbles was playing goal and played brilliantly. But at one point, his contact lens fell out. And so the contact lens fell out, obviously with his goalkeeper gloves. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it back in. So the physio runs on and can't get it back in either. And the ref's like, we have to carry on. Why don't you just take his glove off? Because they're all strapped up, aren't they? Yeah, they're all like strapped in. They strap them all on. Um, So he's like, okay, I'll carry on. So he carries on with one contact lens in and behind the goal, whilst Real Madrid are taking the corner, is a physio stood there just with one finger with the contact lens on the end of his finger waiting for Robbles. And then at the end of it, they try and get it going. Still can't get it back in. He plays with one um, contact lens for the rest of the game and they draw 0-0. Wow, so even with one eye, he's good. Yeah, even blind. There you go. Um, Just as you mentioned Stoke there, you know that Stoke is also a verb... To Stoke. Yes. Can great. you think of any other football clubs that are a verb? Uh, to Everton? <laughs> no. To shit. <laughs> I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, we didn't really talk about VAR this week. Not paying just... oh, no. No. no, no, definitely not. I just <laughs> want to do a watch this space on VAR. Because oh, the... Um, <laughs> to Luton. The premier... It's like when you loot something. To Luton. All oh. the managers are going to go and meet with... Uh, the yes, VAR yeah. chiefs and one of the ideas that's been floated is managerial challenges okay which I hate so I can go oh ref I want to challenge this and like in um, tennis or cricket and uh, they have it in the um, American football oh, league that, and they, that they, is what my biggest fear is that VAR becomes like American makes the Premier League more like American sports yeah. we all know I love sport Apart from American sports, because they're crap. Yeah. (laughs) Now, and I just, I, to me, the whole thing about VAR was to try and make the game better and get decisions right. And um, VAR looks at everything, but most of the time we don't want to hear from it because it's looked at it and we decided there's nothing to see. All of a sudden, if you introduce that concept, imagine a player like Mourinho, he's got, I'm going to keep these three challenges up my sleeve until the last 10 minutes, and then I'm going to waste nine of them with VAR challenges. And you'll use that time to go, oh yeah, challenge. And then they go, what is it? Look at it. And you get everyone over to go... Set yeah. play. Oh, what we'll do is when when they have this free kick, yeah, and you, I you just you, ha- but you wait and see. Like they'll they're gonna 
do this and then we'll see another shift in VAR because we saw the they the met with the referees and said we're not using VAR enough we need yeah. more VAR to do stuff and then we've seen the shift in that and now the managers are going to go and meet them it's going to be a disaster and what will happen this week is everyone will start going over to TV screens yes and it, and it will change you can uh, bet on that by the way you can actually bet on whether they're going to go over to the TV screens this week because it's going to be kind uh, of I, I do think that's a big mistake that the VAR implementation um, people have made Crew. Crew is also a verb. To crew. To crew a ship. Yeah. yeah. Crew. Oh, God. Um, uh, <laughs> you've got Chris Smalling written down here. I, my, yeah, my last side story is on Chris Smalling playing for Roma. He's just doing really, really well. He's uh, getting rave reviews. He scored they want to buy goal. him. They put in a bid for him. Yeah, they want to pay the... Uh, 13 million pounds, yeah, like a measly bid. Um, he's playing brilliantly for them. He's perfectly set up for the Italian league because like, he can defend and can defend else. wins header don't have to pass too much just give it to the guy over there that's really mm. good um, and he's doing brilliantly he's doing well. so well in fact that they thought maybe there's some other diamonds in the rough in the Premier League and they were looking at signing Jack Rodwell for the remainder of the season sorry what who Roma, Roma were looking at Jack Rodwell I think he went over there he's at for a medical no he got released by Blackburn Oh, wow. Um, because I th- I'm pretty sure that he um, asked for better terms or something, or they, you know, off- got offered him a new contract and he said, no, I'm worth more than that. And wow. God, if there's, I've, yeah. He is on the prickometer that Yeah, that after, well, after oh, watching yeah. um, the Sunday Until, Until I, Until I die. die. Yeah, I just, he but anyway, he nearly signed for Roma and I was like, that is bizarre. Wow. Right, let's move on to the end game. End Game. So Jeff, you won last week, which puts you three two two. Three two two winner. Ahead. Um, so that means it's your turn to pick a game. So no, wait a minute, isn't it all twos? No, I no, won. Uh, yeah, won last I won. week. Against two. you. Oh yeah, it's yeah, your first defeat. I went to Troy Deeney. That's right. Yeah, fail. Okay, so uh, you know we don't want to go too far into into history. So I looked at this week's fixtures and I thought it's been a tough year for Arsenal fans. So let's bring it back to a, an Arsenal victory with a corresponding uh, fixture. Now this week, Leicester play Arsenal away at Leicester. Now, in 2015, 2015, yeah. managed by Claudio Ranieri. Yeah. That's the Leicester title winning season. Arsenal beat Leicester 5-2. Ooh, Arsenal. Yeah. Who goes first? Uh, you lost last week, John. Yeah. So you go first. Is this the Leicester tight winning season? It is the Leicester tight winning season, and it was five two to Arsenal. Um, John, I, I can give you Kante. Oh, are you going first, John? Yeah, you just hold on. Kante. Kante. I would like to go with Kante first. Is that done? Correct? He's in. Started. Uh, Schmeichel. Schmeichel, in. Wes Morgan. Morgan, in. Uh, Jamie Vardy. Vardy, and scored, in. Oh, it's interesting how we're going for just the Leicester players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Danny Drinkwater. Well, you are just going for Leicester players, in. Uh, Robert Hooth. Robert Hooth, in. Christian Fuchs. Fucking hell, go for a Larsal player. Ooh, John. Oh, no. Oh, one minute, was he on the bench? No, he's got to come on, though. 
No, he's on the uh, see you later. Bye bye. Oh no. Wasn't who, even on the bench. Who played left back? Wait, hold Should on. I've got to get one right first. Oh, you yeah. have got to get one right to win. Oh, yes. Go for an Arsenal player, Rog. Come on. No, go for a Leicester. Go for Christian Foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the pressure. The Mark pressure. Albritton. Albritton? Albrighton? Mark All- Albrighton, yeah. Yes. Oh, no. Roger wins. 3 3 2. I can't believe neither one of you went for any Arsenal players. Well, it's because we Arsenal did Leicester the other week and it was in yeah. the same season, and so I could, I just, remember re- I could just remember the whole team. So, for, for Arsenal, up front, Theo Walcott. I would not have thought of that. On the, re- on the left, Sanchez. In the middle, Ozil. Oh, on the right, Ramsey. Yeah. Flamini, Carzola, Kashelny, Mertesacker, Bellerin. Monreal, like you, this, that, that, no, that, fraught with danger. Arsenal, yeah. you never know who they're going to play. Petr checking goal. See, see the joy of that Leicester team is they just pick the same team. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it, that they lost five two to Arsenal and yet still they won the league. Yeah. Who did actually play left back for Leicester? Because uh, they had Sim- I was going to go for Simpson. Danny Simpson, and then Schlup. Right oh, Jeffrey Schlup. and uh, Ricky Delat played right back. Oh, Melbourne City yeah. star Ricky Delat. Is he still at Melbourne City? Mm-mm. No. One season wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Then he got the fuck out of there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, John. Do we have anything before we. Uh, no, I'd just like to point out that you, you, uh, you've been going the early crow a lot with your undefeated nature in the game, but yeah, that's no, two I've losses in a week. Two in a row. So it's on you, Rog, to pick the game next week. So what, uh, you're, what you're saying here, if I get this right, if I'm going to learn anything from our 100th, 100th episode, yeah. it's that. I should park in the closer car park to work. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're saying? Doesn't matter if it costs an extra three dollars. Just pay for the just pay the three dollars. Stop with the uh, trying to find verbs. Verbs. Stoke in... and crew, oh, I think, are the only verb clubs. Thanks everyone for listening to our hundred <laughs> show. I don't know how you've managed to get to hundred <laughs> shows with the bollocks that comes out of chips. Well, Jeff's still here every week. No, that's true. <laughs> but generally, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will Burnley be to, to Burnley. No, that you, you Burnley. We will be back next week. Hopefully, Jeff won't be back. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, um, ask us questions or tell Jeff to fuck off. You can write, find us on Facebook, or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail Thanks, everyone. See ya. See we'll be ya. back for hundred and first. <laughs>